Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Gone Cold Podcast may contain violent or graphic subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Some in Kendall County and Bear County law enforcement are haunted by a few cases the circumstances of which aren't the -the run-of-the-mill everyday crimes they're used to. On the last episode, Part 1, we told you about the mysterious death of Colonel Philip Shue and the bizarre details surrounding it. Though the case is solved, the official explanation seems to lead to more questions instead of providing answers. It isn't the only case to have occurred in Bernie, Texas, that is constantly on the minds of authorities and residents there and in San Antonio alike. Two more cases, one under the jurisdiction of Bear County and one Kendall, are particularly unforgettable for the two sheriff's departments. The deaths of Nicole Olson and her two daughters, Alexa and London, ruled by the medical examiner to be a murder-suicide, remains open only at the insistence of the Bear County Sheriff, much to the dismay of other law enforcement officials who would rather have the case go away. In Kendall County, the slang of a probation officer is still unsolved, a suspect in the murder of Beth Hicks, never identified. Nicole Leela Olson was described by a family member as a daddy's girl when she was a young child. So when her father died of a heroin overdose just two days before Christmas in 1988, when Nicole was only seven years old, she was devastated, her life's trajectory forever altered by the death. Because of Nicole's father's death, her life as a teenager and as she transitioned into adulthood was rife with challenges described by a friend as, quote, hard knocks. Her mother became what she called a functional alcoholic, herself never able to get a grasp on the grief she felt from losing her husband. While in high school in San Antonio, Texas, at age 15, Nicole gave birth to a son. She quit high school as a junior and married her son's father, but they divorced in only a year. Nicole married a U.S. Marine in 2001 and moved to Hawaii not long after the ceremony, where her new husband was stationed. The day after Christmas later that same year, when Nicole was 20, her mother died suddenly of heart disease, 
Like her father's death, it was a tragic blow, exacerbated by the unexpected new responsibility that came with it. Nicole took in and began caring for her 13-year-old brother. She struggled to make ends meet before and after her mother's death, taking jobs at San Antonio restaurants to pay the bills, but her new life with her new husband provided her stability, and a good thing was on the horizon. Alexa, Nicole's first daughter, was born the following year, in 2002. When Nicole again divorced in 2006, she returned to San Antonio. This time, however, instead of looking forward to dead-end jobs to make ends meet, she came back to town as a licensed hairstylist. Not long after her return, Nicole began dating a man again. The two were engaged, and she gave birth to her third child and second daughter, London, in 2008. Nicole and London's father never married, but they did maintain a congenial and shared custody relationship thereafter. Her first husband had taken care of their son, but in 2009 she sought to get custody. She'd regretted, Nicole admitted, that she'd not been the best mother to her son because of her immaturity, but she was ready now to provide for him. Though a Child Protective Services agent noted that Nicole provided the more stable living environment, the ex-couple was ultimately awarded a joint custody arrangement. Nicole Olson didn't have a lot of luck with love for years to come, and instead of focusing on that anyway, she put all her energy into raising her daughters. Her life had been difficult and tumultuous in a way. Nicole, however, was a survivor and a fighter, and was determined to give her daughters a better life than she had. No matter what life threw at her, a friend said, Nicole always, quote, picked herself up, dusted herself off, and kept going. She was a hard-working individual, often double-booking appointments at her job as a hairstylist and certified cosmetologist, but always off in time to pick up her girls from school. Nicole adored her two daughters, Alexa and London, and constantly doted on them. The mother continued to care for her two girls, and against all odds, the family didn't want for much. They lived in a nice apartment, which Nicole and her daughters kept immaculate. It wasn't easy, but Nicole made it work. For all Nicole Olson's, quote, grace, elegance, class, and love, though, her luck with relationships wasn't so good. But things began looking up, she thought, when she struck up a new romance with the owner of an oil-filled service business. In 2016, a former rodeo champion, Charles Edward Wheeler, came across Nicole Olson's Instagram account. He was immediately taken by her beauty and tried his luck at striking up a conversation via private message. It worked, and before long, Wheeler and Nicole were speaking back and forth on a regular basis. Wheeler, who was 28 years old at the time, Nicole's junior by six years, came from a wealthy and socially elite Fredericksburg, Texas family. But the young man used money he'd earned winning rodeos to start a security gate company when he was only in his early 20s. When he sold that company, the profits allowed him to invest in an even more lucrative future, particularly in Texas, oil-filled service. Wheeler was doing well for himself. He drove nice cars and had plenty of them, and owned a huge and luxurious home. Not long after Nicole and Wheeler met on social media, 
in the summer of 2016, they met in person. Wheeler, a friend of Nicole's, would later say, pursued Nicole aggressively, but before long, the couple seemed enamored with each other. Their romance struck hard and moved fast. A year after they met, in April of 2017, Nicole left her San Antonio apartment and moved into Wheeler's million-dollar home in far south Bernie, Texas. Nicole was doing well on her own, too, having co-founded a jewelry business with a friend. Nicole Olson's daughters, much of the time, lived with their mother. 16-year-old daughter Alexa was a sophomore and cheerleader at Clark High School in San Antonio. She had big plans for her future after high school to enroll at Texas A&M University and study to be an obstetrician. Ten-year-old London, Nicole's other daughter, was a fifth grader at Leon Springs Elementary School. Unlike her sister, who appeared to have her sights set on a specific professional career, London's interests were rooted in more artistic endeavors like acting, singing, and painting. By early 2019, 37-year-old Nicole and 31-year-old Charles Wheeler had been living together for nearly a couple years and were still, seemingly, happy and in love. One terrible and unthinkable January day, however, it all came to a tragic end. If you're a regular listener of the show, I'm sure you know by now how much I love Best Fiends, the challenging puzzle game that allows me a break from the mundanities of the everyday routine and the sometimes overwhelming dark places that producing a true crime podcast takes me. I play when I need a break from writing, recording, or editing to get my mind out of the rabbit holes, which apparently is often, since I'm on level 2332, wild. I clear a few levels here and there, too, when boredom has me antsy and pacing, something that bugs Erica to death. Best Fiends, my friends, has it all. The bright colors, the rad little army of bugs and other small creatures I've collected, the satisfaction of helping that army eliminate those dastardly and slimy slugs, and the game is totally casual. Try Best Fiends for yourself. The puzzle game already has over 5,000 challenges, and new events and levels are added all the time. With over 100 million downloads and millions of five-star reviews on the Apple App Store, Best Fiends is obviously a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On the morning of Tuesday, January 10th, 2019, the Bear County Sheriff's Office 911 dispatch received a call reporting an apparent suicide at the Inaqua Springs Ranch an upscale, gated community in Bear County's far northwest, in far south, Bernie, Texas. When a deputy arrived at the scene, 31-year-old Charles Wheeler was in the front yard on his knees and appeared to be sobbing. Another deputy arrived. When the deputies entered Wheeler's home, they were unprepared for the grisly sight before them. In the house's upstairs hallway, Blood was seemingly everywhere, splattered on the walls and gathered in a large puddle on the floor. The bodies of 16-year-old Alexa and 10-year-old London and their mother, 37-year-old Nicole Olson, laid in the hall, cold and stiff to the touch. Near Nicole's body, deputies observed a handgun. She had a single gunshot wound to her head, as did Alexa, but London was shot once in the head and once in her neck. When detectives quizzed Charles Wheeler about what happened to his girlfriend and her children, he told them that he'd argued with Nicole the night before. The fight grew heated and he left, Wheeler said, at about 10 p.m. to spend the night with a family member. When he returned to his home at about 9 a.m. that morning, Wheeler continued, he found Nicole, Alexa, and London there, dead. The Bear County Medical Examiner determined that Nicole had shot and killed her children before taking her own life. It would be the only information about the autopsy findings to be released, as the medical examiner, in conjunction with the sheriff's office, presumably, had since declined to make the findings publicly available for fear that doing so could compromise the integrity of the investigation. Although that alone suggests that autopsy findings cast some doubt on the murder-suicide ruling that would be a narrative for the case, at least in the public eye, for almost a year. But in 2020, when the media obtained a search warrant written and carried out just days after the tragedy, questions arose. Evidence observed at the scene the warrant made clear indicated that Nicole, Alexa, and London may have all been murdered. Exactly what that evidence is, however, has not been fully disclosed to the public, but the case was and is still being investigated by both the Bear County Sheriff's Office and the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Though no suspects have been named, Sheriff Javier Salazar told reporters that Charles Wheeler is a person of interest in the case. Wheeler's call to 911, along with other records of calls from his and Nicole's address, have been withheld from public release, and though the man is said to have fully cooperated with the sheriff's office investigation, he hired three highly reputable defense attorneys.
Those who knew Nicole well, family and friends, refused to accept that she was capable of suicide, let alone taking the lives of two of her children, who she adored and revered with motherly pride. Charles Wheeler's past, and he and Nicole's relationship, became the subject of heavy scrutiny, and for good reasons. There was, according to many sources, past abuse at the hands of Wheeler. Though Charles Wheeler's record of DWIs and public intoxication charges, or rather arrests that usually went uncharged, doesn't make him a murderer, the records show a pattern of alcohol abuse and above-the-law type behavior. The details of the arrests are mundane and mostly irrelevant, except to examine the pattern of alcohol abuse, and there are several dated back to 2008. It's his treatment of Nicole Olson mixed with the pattern of alcohol abuse that is concerning. According to some, Wheeler was controlling and treated Nicole disrespectfully and more like a possession than a partner. The once sociable and outgoing woman had become more withdrawn and less confident in the months leading up to her and her daughter's deaths, two characteristics that clashed with Nicole's genuine personality. As late as the summer prior to the deaths, occurrences observed by those who knew Nicole suggested Wheeler was emotionally abusive, according to them. In the summer of 2018, her friend and business partner recalled an instance where Wheeler became upset when he saw a pepperoni on the floor in the kitchen. It had fallen off a pizza. He became angry it was there and ordered Nicole to come in and pick it up. As her friend left that evening, Nicole remarked that she was a guest in Wheeler's home, where she'd lived for well over a year at that point. But that was far from the only red flag. Once in May of 2017, Nicole showed up to a commercial shoot for the jewelry business she co-owned with a black eye, and as she concealed it with makeup for the shoot, and her friend inquired about the bruise, Nicole told her she and Wheeler had fought, but not to worry about it. Another close friend of Nicole said that in July of that year, while on a vacation celebrating their anniversary in Galveston, the couple had an argument. Wheeler got so angry, reportedly, the security guards at the hotel where they were staying got involved, escorting him back to the room to collect his things from it. But Wheeler, according to the friend, didn't only grab his belongings, he took Nicole's as well, including her cell phone. He headed back to San Antonio, leaving Nicole stranded there, over 250 miles from home. Nicole's friend had to buy her a plane ticket to get back. In January of 2018, as Nicole and her friend drove to catch a San Antonio Spurs basketball game, Wheeler called. He told Nicole to hand the phone to her friend. She did, and Wheeler proceeded to tell the friend that she was lucky he was, quote, letting her go with you. The call humiliated Nicole. After the game, the two went to a bar in downtown San Antonio's Pearl District, where Wheeler repeatedly called Nicole's cell phone, visibly upsetting her more each time. He knew she wasn't at the arena watching the game anymore. Nicole's friend says Wheeler told her, and he wanted her home immediately. She complied. 
Wheeler's friends and family vehemently deny that the man is capable of the things said about him. The abuse, and particularly the deaths of Nicole and her two daughters, Alexa and London. When reports were released the year following the grisly deaths, they provided a glimpse at why investigators thought there might be more to it than a murder-suicide. The report lists blood smears on the wall and a small puddle of blood in a bathroom doorway, presumably separate from the large pool of blood that had collected around the bodies. A deputy at the scene that day, too, noted that though Charles Wheeler appeared to be crying, he saw no tears coming from the man's eyes. It's unclear what the Bear County Sheriff's Office learned from cell phone tower records and security cameras stationed at many locations inside the gated community. Two things Sheriff Javier Salazar cited as important to the investigation. Though the sheriff says he's been asked to button up the case and mark it closed, he refuses to do so, and the investigation is currently ongoing. While Bear County authorities continue pursuing information in Nicole, Alexa, and London's case, Kendall County Sheriff's Office investigators, too, have a haunting years-old mystery involving one of their own, the murder of probation officer Beth Hicks. Beth Marie Hicks was born on July 27, 1967, to parents Sarah and Howard in Pleasanton, Texas. She and her sister grew up in Divine, a small town about 30 miles southwest of San Antonio that has more or less become a suburban outlier to the big city. At Divine High School, from where she graduated, Beth acted as the mascot at games, the warhorse performing school spirit routines alongside cheerleaders. Beth went on to attend Stephen F. Austin University in Nacogdoches, graduating in 1991 with two bachelor's degrees, one in the arts and one in science. She remained close with her family the entirety of her life, even renovating many houses with her father Howard. Besides being an outgoing, loyal, and considerate friend, Beth was kind and generous, and since she was adept at needlepoint, relatives and friends were often surprised with intricate embroidered gifts from her. She loved blues, rock and roll, and country music. Eventually landing a job in Kendall County as an adult probation officer, which she found rewarding, Beth Hicks was sensitive and empathetic with the probationers under her watch, treating them fairly and with compassion. Though she was by the book and by no means naive as a probation officer, Beth believed in second chances and in the inherent goodness of folks, and believed wholeheartedly that it was her job to help her probationers start new lives. Beth's colleagues thought the world of her. One commented that if she were dying of thirst and you asked for her last soda, she'd hand it over with selflessness and a smile. On Christmas Day, 2003, 4th Infantry Staff Sergeant Dwayne Davis asked Beth to marry him. The two met as Sergeant Davis was scheduled to be deployed to Iraq earlier in the year from Fort Hood, and their romance blew up quick. Beth sent Sergeant Davis care packages while he was overseas containing essentials like shaving cream and not-so-essential items like cookies and those little airplane bottles of liquor. 
Her colleagues commented on the frequency in which she shipped out the care packages, saying that Sergeant Davis certainly never wanted for anything while he was deployed. The luckiest soldier over there. The couple constantly exchanged emails and physical letters, too. Beth and Sergeant Davis planned to marry in September of 2004, after he finalized his divorce from his third wife, and Beth wasted no time preparing, hand-making tiny bags that would eventually contain rice to be thrown at the wedding, 150 of them. Beth also had a custom gown made for the event she looked forward to so much. Beth lived on the outskirts of Bernie in Kendall County at the Foothills Mobile Home Ranch, a quiet neighborhood with a rural feel. In the summer of 2004, Beth told her family that she thought someone had been inside her home. Things had been moved around, she said. Beth, however, never reported her suspicions to the police. At about 6.45 on the morning of Wednesday, June 30th, 2004, 36-year-old Beth Hicks stepped out of her mobile home, dressed for work in a shirt and jacket, her holstered gun tucked away out of sight, but easily accessible, in her purse. As she opened the door of her pickup truck, Beth was attacked. A single blow to her head with a hard object, later thought to be a steel pipe or something similar. The one hit was delivered with such force that it was enough to kill her. Later, two of Beth's neighbors saw her lying next to her truck and called the Kendall County Sheriff's Office. Her neighbor was disturbed by the woman's death, not only because it questioned the safety of everyone in the area, but because, he said, everyone out there is one big family, and everyone thought the world of Beth Hicks. The following Friday, July 2nd, Visitation for Beth was held at the Hurley Funeral Home in her hometown, Divine. Many of her probationers called the probation office for information on the visitation and the funeral. She was buried the next day in the wedding gown she was to marry Sergeant Dwayne Davis in just a few months later. Authorities with the Kendall County Sheriff's Office, of course, took the murder of Beth Hicks personally as did the Texas Rangers who joined in on the investigation. Robbery as a motive was quickly ruled out, as none of Beth's belongings were missing, and her home, they thought at first, was undisturbed. Though a neighbor believed they heard a loud cry at about the time Beth would have been struck and killed, there weren't any witnesses who saw anything out of the ordinary that morning. Since Beth's gun remained holstered and in her purse, It's likely the attack was sudden and happened fast. Upon poring over the scene for clues, detectives eventually discovered that the door to Beth's trailer had pry marks. Someone, it appeared, had been trying to enter at some point. It could have been just prior to her slang, or perhaps it coincided with what she'd told family members, that she believed someone had been in her home when she wasn't there. The only other clues reported on were a shoe print at the scene near Beth's body and a fingerprint taken from somewhere undisclosed. But law enforcement has remained tight-lipped on that clue and if there were any others. Investigators believed that the murder weapon was a steel pipe, tire iron, or baseball bat. Since she was a probation officer, 
Beth's probationers were the most logical place for investigators to start looking. They questioned more than 100 individuals who Beth Hicks supervised, but if any suspicions were garnered from these interrogations, police haven't let on. Sergeant Dwayne Davis, her fiancé, too, was scrutinized, but apparently he had solid alibi witnesses placing him at Fort Hood the morning Beth was killed. Though the case never left the desks of deputies, interest in investigative efforts had diminished as the murder of Beth Hicks went cold. In 2012, Beth's family put up $20,000 to add to the $5,000 Crime Stoppers reward for information leading to a conviction in her murder. They'd also put up a website in hopes of gathering new information, but it has since been taken down. Ten years after the slaying of Beth Hicks, in 2014, former Bear County District Attorney's Office investigator and former Kendall County Deputy Ernie Labello came out of retirement to work Beth's case and her case alone. Labello knew about Beth's case, but had never worked it. It bothered him. He began scouring the large case file, working his way from the beginning as if the case were brand new. Labello began re-interviewing potential witnesses and persons of interest and claims to have unearthed possible new evidence. Unfortunately, the fingerprint discovered on the scene proved to be useless, as it belonged to an emergency responder. Then-in-current sheriff Al Oxier swore to Beth Hicks' family that the department under his direction would do everything they could to solve her case, and went on to say that in the initial investigation, quote, things were indeed neglected. Though Beth's family appreciated the new efforts, they felt that they'd been given lip service by the past sheriff, and they didn't want to get their hopes up with platitudes. The Kendall County Sheriff's Office remains tight-lipped on any new developments in Beth's case, as do those who were neighbors of the 36-year-old at the Foothills Mobile Home Ranch. Those with potential knowledge had testified before a grand jury twice and were sworn to secrecy in the matter. Neighbors are far less reluctant, however, to speak about their sadness regarding Beth's killing. An elderly man around the same age as her parents who lived behind Beth commented that she visited he and his wife often to check up on them. Beth Hicks' parents, Howard and Sarah, continue to think of her every day of their little girl riding horses at her grandparents' farm, and the warm, happy, and successful woman she became. Howard Hicks, Beth's father, died on January 13, 2019, at 89 years old, having never seen justice brought to the killer of his daughter. If you have any information about the deaths of Nicole Olson and her daughters, Alexa and London, or the murder of Beth Hicks, please contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-348-5323. If you'd like to help find answers for the families of unsolved crime victims from all over, or help identify a Jane or John Doe, please visit dnasolves.com, where you can submit your DNA data from a consumer testing company like Ancestry or 23andMe to their database. We'll provide a link in the show notes. 
You can support Gone Cold at patreon.com forward slash Gone Cold Podcast. Donors at all levels there get the show ad-free, and for just two and a half bucks a month, you'll have access to episodes featuring stories of mostly solved Texas crimes and the madmen who perpetrated them, such as The Woman in the Wooden Box and our latest there, The Devil of West Texas, among others. Thanks to everyone who supports us there. We couldn't do what we do without it. The San Antonio Express News the National Organization of Parents of Murdered Children Online, MySanAntonio.com, MyPlainView.com, and the Houston Chronicle were used as sources for this episode. Thanks for listening, y'all.